We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 1, verse 35. We looked at this two weeks ago, and I shared at that time that I just felt like maybe the Lord was going to have us come back to this time. Last week we had a great celebration, three services, looking at uh, the Church of the Nazarene and Global Ministries um, with Dr. Moore. But this morning we, we will continue in our series in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 35, and it says this, Early in the morning, well before sunrise, Jesus rose and went to a deserted place where he could be alone in prayer. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, you've heard me say this before, and you'll continue to hear me say this, but there are many stories in the, in the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, but there is only one message, and you would probably know this by now, but, but the, the message is that the kingdom of God is now, that the kingdom of God is at hand. We started this series um, last April 2019, Passion Week, Easter Week. We'll conclude our series in the book of Mark um, this year, Easter Week, Passion Week. But this morning we've come back and we've arrived back at this place. We've landed at this place in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And it's a, it's a text that shows us the importance, the, the, the value that, that Jesus himself put on prayer. The, the value that he put on conversation, having a, a conversation with God, conversing with the Heavenly Father, for wisdom, for divine discernment, for instruction. We have looked at a number of texts. We have realized that, that, that Jesus, a lot of people are noticing that, that, uh, that he's healing people, that he's, he's been preaching and teaching um, in the temple. A lot of people are now are coming. The multitudes are gathering. But we also see that in the midst of, uh, of all of those things that that Jesus takes and sets himself apart. He gets away from the disciples. He, he gets away from the crowds, the multitudes, for a place of solace, for, a, for a, a place of solitude, for a place where he and the Heavenly Father can converse about his ministry. This morning I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. The title of our message this morning is, is Wait. But there in your worship folder in your handout, that outline, it says that our response in prayer should be, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. And then secondly, throw down your staff. Throw down your staff. And then lastly, let go, let go and let God. Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every, in each and every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requisitions, your requests, your petitions to God. And it goes on and it says, in the peace of God, the peace of God, 
which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, church, He will hear us. In Psalm 145, verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him. To all who call on Him in His truth. So in our outline this morning, the first thing. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. And I just want to, in a very simplified means, I, I want us to get this visual in our mind, but, but when we come and we say, Here I am, Lord, we need to be present. When we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, here I am, because Jesus would often, when He would get away, He'd say, Heavenly Father, here I am. Fill me up. Give me, give me wisdom. Give me instruction. Because the days will be troubling. The, the, the ministry is difficult. This thing called life, it's, it's not easy. Does anybody in the house want to say amen to that? Not that you rejoice in that. Not, not that you're in favor of that. But, but life is just difficult. But, but here I am, Lord. Be present. In this day and age, do we call on the Lord and yet we're checking our emails? Um, looking at social media. I think if we're going to come before the Lord, I think with all due respect, we need to come and we need to say, Lord, here I am. All of me is before you today. The distractions I set aside. The schedules of the day I set aside. Here I am, Lord, and I want to be present. So somebody asked me this week, well, well what, what do you think that that means? And I'm like, well, well for me, that, that one thing, to be in that rhythm, to be in that consistency, but, but maybe for, for me, it's, it's getting up at an early hour before anybody else is up and about in the house. Or I set aside a time where I go out and I, and I walk and, and the Lord and I have time. In your appointment book, does it say anywhere in there, God? Speaking with God? Um, that you guard all of that? That you protect that time? So, so here I am, Lord, and I encourage you to be present with that. As we unpack this text this morning, I would ask that your hearts and your minds would be open to some of the things that we will share. Here I am, Lord. Get, get away in a quiet place. A place where there's no distractions. I, I, I know a pastor that uh, a number of years ago as he was starting his ministry, he just decided that, that his quiet place, his place of solitude, his, his, his means of conversing with God was that he was going to go into his garage... And he was going to build a prayer closet. So he went to one of the local stores and bought a cheap shower curtain. And then brought the little hangers and kind of made a makeshift little track, if you will. And his family just knew that if they went out into the garage and the prayer curtain, the shower curtain was closed, that the husband, the father, was speaking with the heavenly father and don't be disruptive. So what does that mean for you? Find a place of quiet, a, a, a place of solitude, a, a place of silence. Luke chapter 5 verse 16. As often as possible, Jesus withdrew to an out-of-the-way place for prayer. 
Here's some examples right out of Scripture of Jesus' solitude and silence. Mark chapter 1, just a few verses prior to what we just read this morning. At once the Spirit sent Jesus out into the desert, and He was in the desert for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, but yet in prayer, in that conversation with the Heavenly Father, the angels attended Him. They were with Him each and every moment. Jesus did not go out into the wilderness all by Himself. He was protected. He was with the Heavenly Father. In Mark chapter 1, verse 16, Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, and He says, Come and follow Me. Come and, and be in quiet with Me. Follow Me and see what I do, how I converse, have conversation with the Heavenly Father. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields in Mark chapter 2, verse 23. And His disciples walked along. He was setting an example. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray. And He spent the night praying to God. When morning came, He called His disciples to Him. In Mark chapter 3, verse 13, it was here that Jesus prayed for His disciples. Mark's gospel tells us that Jesus prayed for them. And I absolutely love this. But the message translation says that Jesus climbed a mountain and He invited those that He wanted with them. They climbed together. He selected the twelve. He designated them apostles. The plan was that they would be with Him in His journey, with Him in His ministry. And He would send them out to proclaim the Word and to give them authority to, 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 to banish demons. And then I love this in the text, but have you ever had a prayer list? Have you ever just written down names of people and you've been praying or circumstances or, or situations? And I shared this two weeks ago, but there's probably people here that you are sitting in this place today because you were on somebody's prayer list because somebody was faithful and they prayed for you and they prayed down heaven and they said, Lord, Lord God, please, will you please be with this person? And you are that person and you are here today because of that. I think that prayer lists, we need those. I think that it helps to keep us focused. But in Mark chapter 3, Jesus had a prayer list. And, and he, it was the, the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples. And there they were gathered around and he prayed for them. He called them by name. Simon, I'm praying for you. James, son of Zebedee. John, brother of James. And, and it goes on. Andrew and Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Alvaltheus. Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and yes, he prayed for the, the very man, Judas Iscariot, who would eventually betray him. Mark chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 14 parallel synoptic gospels. After Jesus had dismissed the crowd, it tells us that he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray, and when evening came, he was found still there alone. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. When Jesus heard that, that John the Baptist, his very dear close friend, had been beheaded, he withdrew by boat privately to a very solitary place. And then it goes on in, in Scripture. There's a, a, there's a number of texts that, that, that tells us in, in the book of Mark that while they were on their way, the disciples and Jesus were on their way to Jerusalem, that Jesus led the way. And the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Scholarship in that text, Mark chapter 10, believes that this was nearly a 20-mile walk 
And the scholarship tells us that Jesus walked nearly 20 miles to, and, and kept silent. He was peaceful. He was quiet because he knew eventually what the city would hold. Are you with me so far this morning? After his brothers had gone up to the feast, then Jesus also went up, not publicly, but, but in private, in cha uh, John chapter 7. And again, it tells us that, that Jesus walked nearly 90 miles from Galilee to Jerusalem. In other words, he was found five days in quiet and in conversation before the Heavenly Father. I share this with you because Jesus knew ultimately what his vocation was, what he was called to do. He was called to, to give us life, to lay down his life so that we could have life eternal. And church, he didn't take it lightly. And this morning you need to write, if you don't write anything else, that there is power in prayer. And when there's power in prayer, God is glorified in our hearts and in our lives. Does anybody in the house want to bear witness to that here this morning? There's power in prayer. If Jesus himself made it a number one priority, a rhythm in his consistent daily life, then we need to as well. Luke chapter 11, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, would you teach me to pray? Would you teach us to pray? And we see in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus' response to that. He says this, this is how you are to pray. Our, our Father who, who is in heaven, uphold the, the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it is done in heaven. God, give us the bread that we need today the sustenance that we need for life. Forgive us the ways that we have wronged you, just as we also forgive, as we also forgive those who have wronged us. Do you have a problem with somebody this morning? Then you need to pray about it and you need to get over it. Do you have a broken relationship with somebody this morning? You need to pray about it and you need to go to them. God is a God of unity. He's not a God of fragmentation. He's not a God who is out to destroy. He created us to be in relationship with Him and one another. There are people that are depending on us to live the life that God has called us to live. We are called to be a people of prayer. John chapter 10. Again, the religious leaders, they were in Jerusalem and they continually sought to arrest Jesus. But it tells us in this particular occasion that He escaped from their hands. And immediately when his life was being threatened, they wanted to take him down and kill him right then and there. It tells us immediately that Jesus walked through the crowd. He walked about five miles across the Jordan to a place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained. And it says that he prayed. He prayed and he prayed over and over again. Luke tells us that Jesus in Luke chapter 9 verse 51, that Jesus was resolute that he told him that, that he was telling the disciples, there will come a time where I will be tortured. There will come a time where I will be killed in Jerusalem. His heart was heavy. He was bearing the, the weight of all of the world. He was bearing the sins that, that you and I have committed and continue to do so. In Luke chapter 22, when Jesus and his disciples had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This was Jesus' usual place to pray when he was alone and when he was in Jerusalem. And in Luke chapter 23, verse 46, by now it was noon, the whole earth became dark. The darkness lasting three hours. It was a total blackout. 
Scripture tells us. The temple curtain split right down the middle. And Jesus cried out in conversation to the Heavenly Father. Father, I place my life into your hands. And that's when he breathed his last breath. Jesus gave up his life here on earth praying and was in conversation with the Heavenly Father. Christian music artist Toby Mack says, and I quote, Even if all that you have left is a whisper, keep praying. If that's all that you have left, the only the energy that you can muster is to whisper and cry out to God, then keep praying. Someone said, author unknown, that when sadness fills your heart, when tears flow in your eyes, always remember three things. That God is with you. That He is still with you. That He is always with you. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 says, Be quiet. Be quiet. He will quiet you by His love. There will be a peace that will surround you. Secondly, not only... Here I am, Lord. But secondly, throw down your staff as I was studying this text and praying. Exodus chapter 4 came to mind. And it says this, so God said to Moses, here's this conversation. And God said, what is that in your hand, Moses? And Moses said, it's a staff. And God said, throw it down on the ground. And he threw it down on the ground and it became a snake. And, and Moses jumped back. He jumped back very fast. And then God said to Moses, reach out now and grab it by the tail. He reached out and he grabbed it. And he was holding in his hand his staff. That's so that they will trust you. That's so that you will understand, Moses, that I am with you, that I have appeared to you, that, 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 that I am the God of your fathers, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That text came to mind because often I think that, that, that in our own lives, there's times that, that we come to the Lord and we, we, we cry out, Lord, help me. See, God came to Moses and said, Moses, I want you to take and I want you to lead two million plus people out of captivity. I want you to, to lead them out of Egypt. And, and Moses, in this, this, this great pushback and this tensionist conversation, was saying, I think that you have the wrong guy. I am not the guy. And what if they do this? And what, do they, what if they do this? Have you ever come to the Lord and just had a whole list of ifs? What if God? What if God? And we've all been there, haven't we? But what is awesome is that we could turn around and we can look back. We can look back in our life and we can see we had all of these what ifs. And God said, I was with you then. I, I'm still with you. And I will be with you tomorrow. I promise you that. Moses, throw down your staff. Quit trying to handle things on your own. He threw down that staff and it became a snake. And it says that he jumped. He was surprised. And then God said, now grab it by the tail. And it became his staff again. Oftentimes we want to handle things on our own. We cry out to God. God, where are you? We cry out to God and say, here it is, God. But we try to manage it on our own. We say, Lord, help me. Is that insincerity? Sure. Do we believe that God's here with us? Sure we do. But do we truly believe that, that in our petitions that, that, that God's got it? That God is going to move according to His own purposes? Well... We want it to be that way, but, but how often do we bring something to the Lord? How often, church, do, do we come down to the altar and, and, we, and we give it to the Lord and we lay it down at His feet and we say, Lord, will you help me? Lord, will you please do this? 
And then when the worship songs, when, when the, the service concludes, then what do we do? Oftentimes, if we're not careful, we pick it back up and we head out the door, we get in the car, we go back into the, the next week and we're carrying the same burdens that we brought in the door, but we cried out to God to take it and He says, I'm here to take it. But in conversation with God, He gives us a new directive. He, he helps us to understand that He's with us. He, he gives us a plan. Do we need to know the whole plan? No, we don't. Do we know the end of the story? You better believe it. It simply says, trust in me in all things and I will see you through. James chapter 1, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because it will de develop perseverance. It will develop your character. It will develop a testimony for the whole rest of the world to see. Why? Because a lot of people aren't even reading this anymore. But they are reading you. People need to see you and how you handle situations. There's no doubt that Moses believed God. We can see that. He's in conversation with God. God met him at the burning bush. God was continually giving him instruction about leading the captives out of Egypt. But Moses was shocked by God's instruction. He found the command very hard to believe. As a matter of fact, Moses objected. Why? Because he doubted his own ability to do what God said he could do through him. Moses doubted his own ability to confront Pharaoh. Someone said, and I quote, Don't shrink from opportunities where faith can be tried. Don't shrink from opportunities where faith can be tried. Don't miss this, but, but God responded to this objection of Moses. This pushback, if you will, with two promises. One, the assurance of his personal presence. In Exodus chapter 3, you go back one chapter, and, and he simply says these words, these four words, I will be with you. I will be with you. And secondly, that Moses and the people, that if Moses will trust the Heavenly Father in all that he's asked him to do, that there's going to be this great celebration that Moses and the people will come back. They will come back in unison and there will be worship on, on God's mountain where, where Moses was there before with the Ten Commandments. There's going to be this worship. There's going to be this celebration. God is saying, Moses, trust me. I am with you. Trust me. I've already ordered the party favors. I've already ordered the hors d'oeuvres. The heat lamps are already assembled. The tables, the chairs are set up. We're going to have a mighty celebration. You just got to trust me through this trial. You gotta trust me. You gotta have faith that I'm going to see you through. Somebody this morning, maybe this is a dark time. You just don't know. It's just a really dark time. Oh, but scriptures tell us that joy comes in the morning. Joy and peace. There will be a celebration. I think that there are times in our lives where we just have to come to grips with the fact that, that we can't control our situations. That we try to manage so many things on our own. That, that we cry out to God for help. But, but then we continue to try to figure it out without Him. And we need to lay down our burdens. We need to lay down our staff, if you will, in order to see what God can and will do when we put our trust in Him. We have to be willing to do so. Exodus chapter 4. God said to Moses, what is that in your hand? It's a staff. This morning, God is saying, what is it that is in your heart? What is it that's going on right now in your life? Lay it down. I've got this. I'm in control. God said, hey, Joe, 
Put, put your name in that blank. Hey, what, what's that burden that you are carrying? Lay it down and see that what I can do with it. Watch me. Trust me. Mark Batterson in his book, All In, says that Jewish scholars, that they used to debate why God revealed himself to Moses in the middle of nowhere. A burning bush on, on the backside of the desert. Why not a highly populated, religiously significant place? Why would go, God go out of His way to, to go out of His way? The consensus was that God wanted to show that no place on earth, that no place on earth, not even a thorn bush, is devoid of the presence of God. That God is everywhere to be found. That, 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 that God is where you want to be. God is, is where it's at. And Batterson adds, the theological word is eminence, and it's the complement to transcendence. He is the God most high. And then lastly, in your worship folder, in that outline, let go and let God. Let go and let God. Corey Tim Boom, and you've heard me quote her on a few occasions, but, but during the Nazi regime, her and her sister and her father, they, they, they lost their family business. They were watchmakers. They were taken and all three were put into a concentration camp. And, and, and early on in those early days, their father passed away. And, and then through a lot of just stuff that they had to deal with, then Corrie Tim Boom's sister, she succumbed to all of the torture and all of the gruesome, all of the, the, the tra tra uh, tragic things that happened to them. But with all of those things happening, she says this, and I quote, We never know how God will answer our prayers. But we can expect that He will get us involved in His plan for the answer. End quote. Richard Foster in his book Celebration of, of Discipline says, Prayer catapults us onto the frontier of the spiritual life. Of all of the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most central because it ushers us into perpetual communion with the Heavenly Father. And then he adds, prayer is the central avenue that God uses to transform us. If we are unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic in our lives. Luke chapter 15. Many of us are, are aware um, of, of that narrative. Maybe there, there, there's some that, that are here this morning that, that aren't. But in, in that narrative, in that text, in Luke's gospel, it's the story of the prodigal son. In Luke 15, verses 11 through 24, it says this, Then he said, There was once a man who, who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what is coming to me. I, I want my inheritance. I, I want my fortune. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the, the younger son, he, he packed his bags and he left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he, he wasted all that he had, everything. After he had gone through all of his money, there was a bad famine all through the, the country and, and it really began to hurt him and his situation. He signed on with a citizen there who, who assigned him to, to, to his fields to, to slop the pigs. He was so hungry that, that he would have eaten the corn cobs in, in the pig slop, but no one even shared the pig slop with him. That brought him to his senses. 
He said, all those farmhands are working back with my father and they sit down every day and have three square meals and here I am, I'm sitting here in, in this pig slop. Here I am, I'm starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against God. I, I have sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. So he got right up and he went to his father. And it tells us in that text, Luke 15, verse 20, when he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart was pounding. He ran out and, and embraced him and, and he kissed him. And the son started with his speech that he had rehearsed over and over again. Father, I have sinned against God. I, I've sinned against you. I, I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening to the son. He was calling his servants, quick, Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and, and, and dress him up. Put the family ring on his finger and the sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it because we're going to celebrate. We're going to have a feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. Why? Because my son is here, given up for dead, and now he's alive, given up for lost, and now he's been found, and they begin to have a wonderful time. One of the most remarkable things about this, this story is, is the father. N.T. Wright says that, that that parable could have even been called the parable of the, the running father. Don't miss this. In a culture where senior figures are far too dignified to run anywhere, th this father, this man, he takes to his heels and as soon as he sees his young son dragging himself home, did you notice in Luke 15 that the father was found out waiting on that road and from a distance he saw his son coming Church, don't miss this. I believe that that father had a daily rhythm. That every day, morning, noon, and night, he was out there walking that dirt road and he was praying, God, would you restore my son? Lord, would you bring my son home? Lord, I love my son. I love him dearly. God, you can make this happen. I don't even have a clue where he's at. I don't know if he's alive or dead, but I'm going to continue to pray. And the father was found waiting. And when he saw the son, he took off and he started to run. Did he know the day that his son would return? No. Did he know the hour that his son would return? No. Did he know the month? Did he know the year? No. But the text, and don't miss this, but he was found waiting. He was found believing. Are you with me here this morning, church? You may not know, you, you may not know what's going to take place tomorrow, but we know who holds tomorrow. Let go and let God, trust God in whatever situation that you are in. The father, he let go of that which he could not control and he trusted God, God to move, that his son would come home. Every day he lived in anticipation of what God could do. He went to the roadway every day expectant. Church, does the enemy have you down? Is, is life a, a struggle right now? Is a, is a loved one outside of the, the will of the heavenly father for their lives? Are you in a broken relationship with God? For Jesus tells us this parable about the lost son, about being lost in a foreign land who, who has been welcomed back home and been given an incredible celebration. The hearers of that day as Jesus was gathered, the multitudes gathered and he shared this parable, what he was saying and they would have understood the message. 
they would have understood personally the narrative. He was saying that there is hope, that there's hope for you, that there's still hope for the nation of Israel when there was so much brokenness and they had been taken in captivity and they had sinned, they had moved in a different direction than God. Maybe somebody here this morning, you need to hear this. But you know what? It's not too late. The enemy would say that you're too far gone. And God is standing here this morning an expectant father out on that roadway called life. And he's waiting for you to come back home. He's wanting to draw you near. And he's wanting to say, prepare. Prepare a feast because there's going to be a celebration because my loved one has come home. Maybe this morning is the time that you quit running. Maybe this morning is the time that you quit trying to handle things on your own and you come in and you're on bended knee and you set aside the pride and you say, God, I want what you want in my life. God, I want to be forgiven of the things that I've done, the choices that I've made. Why? Because Jesus is saying that there's hope. There is hope right now. There is joy that awaits. There's a celebration that awaits you here today, brother and sister. Joel chapter 2 Verse 13 says, change your life, not just your clothes. Come back to God, your God. And here's why. God is kind and God is merciful. He takes a deep breath. He he puts up with a lot. This most patient God, extravagant in love, always ready to cancel out any catastrophe. Who knows, maybe he'll do it now. Maybe he'll turn around and and show pity. Maybe when all's said and done, there will be blessings full and robust from your God. Hosea chapter 14. It says this, O Israel, come back. Oh, come back. Return to your God. You're down, but you're not out. Come and prepare your confession and, and give it to God. Pray to Him. Give Him all without any distraction. Pray to Him. Take away our sin. Accept our confession. Receive as a restitution our repentant prayers. We know that You won't leave us. We know that You won't leave us. We will never say again, our God, little G, to something that we've made up or or we've done on our own. You're our last hope. Is it not true that, that, that in you the orphan finds mercy? Mark chapter 1, verse 35, our text today. While it was still night, way before dawn, Jesus got up and He went out to that secluded spot and He prayed. As the worship team comes this morning, I would ask that we would, just in our hearts and in our minds right now, that that our response would be, here I am, Lord. I lay down what I've been trying to control. I I throw down my staff. I admit that I'm not in control, that that you are God. And then lastly, I'm going to commit to letting go and letting you, God, letting you know that I'm willing to be obedient. There are many, many stories in the book of Mark, but there's only one message, that the kingdom of God is at hand. That the kingdom of God is here. And we are allowed and we are invited to be participants of it, church. Amen. Oh, if there's brokenness in your life, you just need to know that these altars are open and you can come and we are prepared to to pray with you. But I can't think of a better time when the expectant father is out on the dirt road with his arms open. He is ready and he is waiting.
Maybe there's something that you feel like you can, you just cannot bear. The, the weight is just so much you feel like you can't even breathe. Maybe you received news from the doctors this week and it wasn't what you were hoping for. But God says, come and lay it before me. Give me your prayers, your petitions, your requisitions. Give me your praises and your joys. I hear them all. And I will move according to my plan and to my purposes. Oh, you may not know what the next five minutes hold. But trust me, friend. I ping your God. I know what's in the next five minutes. I know what's in the next month. I know what's in the next year. Trust me on this. Don't shrink back from your trials. Because it is in faith, through the faith of those trials that your testimony resounds. We give praise and glory and honor to God. Amen, church. This is the word of the Lord this morning. And I say, thanks be to God. To God be the glory. Amen and amen.